This is the SPM Show, episode number 238. Hey, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, the SPM Show here. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another episode of the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, you missed a whole bunch. Like, we've been doing these shows for a long time now. But we talk about local business, marketing, Facebook, Instagram, social media, digital marketing, offline marketing. We do all of that with our guests that we have join us on the podcast, some solo shows. You can find all those here on the iTunes, the Spotify's, the Google Plays, wherever you're listening to podcasts. We also have a website, smartpizzamarketing.com, and over on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, I am that I am at the Bruce Irving and at Smart Pizza Marketing for all kinds of pizza stuff. I am excited for this episode of the podcast today. I know I say that every single week, but this week I am really excited. My friend Anthony Mangieri is joining us again on the podcast. His return to New York, the last time he was on the podcast was 2018. He was in San Francisco getting ready to make the journey back to where it all started in New York City to open Una, and he's done that. And he's been open for a year, and him and I have chatted many times offline, whether that be at the Pizza Expos or various places we've met up. And we've always talked about business and pizza and how things have changed. So I said, you know what, Anthony, you should join me on the podcast. You know, you've been in Una in New York City for about a year now. Um, he said to me, listen, it's been, we've had our ups and downs just because we came, I came back and, you know, everybody was excited to see me come back to New York City and I was excited to come back to New York City and open up Una. Things didn't necessarily go as planned and there were some rough patches that we had. And Anthony gets very honest in this episode about what exactly happened when they opened in New York City and how they almost closed. Like Anthony Mangieri came back to New York City and almost had to close Una because it got so bad. And we talk about why it got so bad for him. And he's very honest about what happened. And he shares not only what happened that made the sales go down and them almost have to close, but what he did to turn it around. And now, a year later, he's flourishing. It's super busy. He's getting ready to open another location in New Jersey. Um, but he shares all of that experience. This is a great episode, great conversation. I think you're going to enjoy this one. So stay tuned for the episode with Anthony Mangieri of Una. And before I get into this episode, it's very fitting that I have the sponsor for this podcast episode be Forza Forney. Anthony uses Forza Forney ovens. So does Frank Pinello, Anthony Falco, all those guys who you hear on the podcast. Forza Forney ovens are awesome. Bruno from Orlando, Florida, Pizza by Bruno. Uh, great ovens. I've heard many great things from the guys who have used the ovens, whether that be the customer service or the quality of the oven that they use. So if you're looking for a new wood-fired oven or any kind of oven for your business, mobile or brick and mortar, definitely go call Forza Forney Ovens. They are the leading guys in oven production in the U.S. out of New York City. If you go to any of the pizza expos or any of the food expos, you see their booths set up. Great pizzas coming out of the oven. Great guys there making the pizzas. So they're very much knowledgeable about what's happening in the pizza community and in the restaurant world. Fortsaforni.com if you want some info on that. Let them know you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast so they can continue to be a sponsor of the show and we can continue to produce these episodes for you. Okay, also... Like I mentioned, the Smart Pizza Marketing Mastermind is open again. If you're looking, if you're a hands-on type of person, but you can't necessarily keep up yourself with all the changes happening in the marketing world, listen, the things we've talked about on the podcast episode six, nine months ago are totally irrelevant right now. 
there's so many changes happening so fast with Facebook and Instagram, but they're platforms that you really need to dive into and can very much benefit your business if you do it the right way. We can help you in a one-on-one environment, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind, access to our private Facebook group, couple calls a month with me and other folks inside of the group. You also get access to our private website, not smartpizzamarketing.com, one only for the mastermind members with all of our past calls, all of our downloads, all of our tutorials and webinars, and expert friends of mine do sessions, and we put them inside the mastermind group. That's the only place you're gonna be able to get those. That sounds like something you want. It's super affordable, too. I try to keep it super cheap. It's almost free. Sometimes I give out the price, and I'm a little bit embarrassed about how low it is. So if you want some information on that, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. All right, let's get into today's episode because I think you are thoroughly going to enjoy this one because I did. So that means I hope you do. All right, let's get into this episode with Anthony Mangieri. Hey guys, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Anthony Mangieri joins me again on the podcast and I was just looking back at the notes from the last episode. We talked back in March of 2018 before you even came back to New York City. So I appreciate you joining me on the podcast here again. Thanks, thank you. It's great to be back with you. So, Anthony, what's going on? How, how have things been going since you've been back in New York? Uh, it's going good. Um, you know, we opened uh, a little over a year ago. We opened just before May of 2018. So it's been, uh, like I said, a little more than a year. Uh, we've had a rough year. I mean, you know, we opened up and it was super busy. And then we had uh, a really, really slow winter. Uh, I changed a lot of stuff in the pizzeria and kind of tried to make it a little more uh, in line with my style and, you know, was hoping to try to convey more of my, my personality through the space. And I think um, that's probably why in the beginning we weren't as busy as, or sustained busy as we had hoped. I think we opened up and there wasn't enough of like a personality coming through the place more than anything else. I don't think the pizza is any better than it was when we opened. I mean, it's not, uh, You know, I think some people thought like maybe the pizza now is better than when we opened, but the pizza is, you know, it's still an evolution since it's been since the beginning. It's not like I figured out how to make pizza in the last six months and for the last 25 years, I didn't know (laughs) what I was doing. So (laughs) the pizza isn't the issue. It was more just like, I think everything and the the combination of everything and the the space, um, which was, is kind of sad that that it went that way, but that's, that's kind of been the case for the last year so right now that we're insanely busy we're booked for like basically the whole summer wow. on reservations it's super busy yeah yeah we got a lot going on do you take walk-ins or is it all reservation only we do take walk-ins yes absolutely we encourage walk-ins yeah because some restaurants i know and, it's, it's and we have a bar so you can hang out oh, okay cool yeah it's tricky right because it is tricky you yeah that, you should, like, that balance of you want reservations because you want to kind of have peace of mind that knowing you're going to be busy, but then you also don't want to turn people away as they come in. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tricky. I mean, you know, I think of reservations similarly to like health insurance. It's like, if you never have it, you know, like I never had health insurance for like 20 years. And like, I was like, who cares? And then once you get it, you're just like, I should get rid of this. I'm paying whatever a thousand bucks a month. And I don't even have a doctor. And then you just, you get scared and you're like, no, I can't get rid of it. What if something happens? It's the same with the reservations. It's like, I never had reservations since I opened in 1996 until 2018. And 
even when we opened here, we didn't have them in the beginning. And then last year, like after the summer and it had kind of slowed down a little bit, we were like, ah, oh, maybe we should try doing reservations. And once you do them, you know, you're like really afraid to like get rid of them. And it's a, it's a little bit of a pain in the neck because it takes quite a bit of effort to navigate the reservation system and make sure you have tables ready and like all this kind of stuff. Like you need somebody almost dedicated at the restaurant during service. Who's a hostess who's just dealing with that. Like that's almost like a full-time thing. Yeah. Because sometimes people don't show up too, right? Like you take, they make reservations and they don't even show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays with the modern, you know, systems, like, you know, you text people automatically, the system texts them and then they have to respond. And then, you know, if they've confirmed and all this stuff, but like, even with the timings, like systems, you know, you set them up for whatever, let's say an hour per table per two top. And so the system will only allow you to book a certain amount of tables because it takes into account how much time you give to uh, turn a table. And then you also like have to watch the seating because if you have a walk-in, you're like, oh, if I sit them at such and such table in a half an hour, I need the table next to them and their table for a fourth top that has a residency. So it's like you have one person who's just standing there with this with this iPad basically doing like mathematics all night to make sure <laughs> people come in and they don't really have to wait that long. And me, I'm just like, screw it. I would rather just like have people wait online and do it old school. But it seems right now to be working. And I think like amongst all the things that I've done to rock the boat here, I don't, I don't really want to mess with that right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, speaking of that, so you said you came back and, you know, you were, what made you come back to New York City, first of all? I know we, we may have touched on that last time we did the podcast, but I'm curious as to, you know, you were in San Francisco for a, a while, many years, and then all of a sudden you came back to New York City. What made you want to come back? Um, yeah, I was in San Francisco and in business for about eight years out there. Um, you know, we wanted to come back. It was really more of a family decision than a business decision initially. Uh, my wife's family is all in Italy, and my family is all on the East Coast in New Jersey. And so... You know, we kind of had been out there for eight years and it started to feel like, you know, if we wanted to come back and be closer to Europe also, um, maybe we should do it sooner than later just because of our daughter. You know, you start to be concerned on the age and stuff and you don't want them to get too, you know, I didn't want to disturb her life and like have her have a lot of friends and then all of a sudden move to another part of the country. So it just seemed like it was appropriate timing. And then also the space that I was in, in San Francisco, I had lost the lease on that. Um, and we had gone month to month and was, you know, I was at a point of like, should I stay out here and rebuild? And, you know, but it seemed kind of foolish since we had already been considering moving back. We are like, you know what, it's probably the time to do it then. And that was, that was the initial, uh, catalyst to me coming back. And then from that point, then I just started the investigation on like, do I want to do it solo? Do I want to do partners? Do I want to try to go super big? Do I want to open a bunch of locations? Like what would be the next phase of Una Pizza? Um, and so that was sort of how it all came together. And then I was leaning between that and I was still kind of pushing to stay on the West coast, but move to LA and um, a family decision was kind of like, if we're going to move, let's just move again, closer to family and, and to Italy. So that, that's how we ended up back here originally. Where in LA were you thinking about moving? Any particular place or just in that vicinity? Uh, you know, I was going down there quite a bit over the eight years that I lived uh, in SF. Um, I almost opened in LA instead of SF 
So originally when I went out to uh, see about opening out there like 10 years ago or whatever it was, um, I, I went to LA and I went to SF trying to decide. And I was, gonna, I was leaning towards LA in the beginning 10 years ago, but the only reason I didn't choose it was uh, based on, I didn't really understand the layout of the city or how to get out to the mountains. So San Francisco is just much easier for me to kind of understand and for outdoor activities that I'm into. So that's why I picked SF. So as far as LA, no, I mean, I kind of liked, I always liked kind of the, uh, the Silver Lake kind of area, Echo Park, uh, Los Feliz, that area. But then I also loved like Hollywood. Um, I love uh, Venice. I, I really love Malibu a lot. So any, I'm, I'm kind of like all those areas. I really am a big fan of Los Angeles in general. Yeah, I mean, my wife loves it too. Like her and I have been to California many times over the last few years. And, you know, I grew up in Boston and you know how the New England, not the New England, you're not New England, but you know how the Northeast weather sometimes in the winter makes you kind of want to kill yourself at points. So I've always. Yeah, it does. You know, it really does. I mean, yeah, I'm, I like it till after Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then once it's like after New Year's, I'm like, oh my God. Like I actually love, the winter like in the northeast like from the fall through the holidays but gosh man once once the new year is over it becomes like a suicide for those few months (laughs) and so yeah i I, yeah i think a lot of us feel that way that grew up here yeah so so now that i can like kind of do this from wherever in uh we've always i've always been kind of fascinated with the los angeles area and getting out there but never pulled the trigger as of yet no, it gets harder too the older you get, don't you think? Definitely. But my kids are kind of older, so my kids are 17, 16, and 12, and at this point in their lives, I don't care about them anymore. Like, I'll move wherever. Not that I don't <laughs> care about them anymore, but you know well, what I mean. I, no, I get it, though. But I, no, I do, and I try to tell my wife that sometimes. Like, she's still like where she's like, oh, I don't want to, because I'm already like, we should move to this, so we should do that, because I'm kind of like also kind of a gypsy in my way and she's like we're not moving we need stability i'm like i don't think it really matters honestly like uh, you know like i don't think my daughter really really cares one way or the other like she i think she's a gypsy my daughter everywhere we go like my (laughs) daughter will be like oh this is nice i'd like to live here i'm like why are you even saying that like we we were in brooklyn the other day and like she's like this is nice here would you want to live here i'm like no not really with this neighborhood that we're in and she's like oh i would like to live here so I think she's she would be up for for it, but yeah, I guess everybody looks for different things. I think it's good for kids to get out. Like I think it's good. Like I wish when I was growing up that I didn't live in the same spot every year. And I don't mean like I moved a lot from house to house, but I lived kind of in the same area. And I thought I think I think it would have been more beneficial to me getting older to move around and see other cultures and see how other people live and get out of my same environment that I was in all the time. So I, I feel like it's good for my kids, even though my wife doesn't. No, uh, same. Basically, you and I are in the same exact boat. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. I feel exactly the same. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So back to whole this whole moving back to San Francisco and then coming back to New York. So you said the last year has been kind of rough. Like, what does a day look like for you? Like, so do you go into the shop in the morning? Are you there all day? Like, give us a, like a little rundown of like what a, what a day in the life of Anthony Mangieri looks like. Yeah. Um, well, I you know I. I mean, I'm not going to give you hour by hour, but the overall quick gist of it is um, I walk my daughter to school every morning and then I come to the pizzeria and I'm usually here by nine. Um, and then I make ice cream, I make sorbetto, I make dough, uh, I do prep. Um, and then I'm usually done. 
I try to be done between one and two, and then I take a break and try to pick my daughter up from school if I can. And then uh, I'm back for service usually around five, and we open up at five thirty. And um, and then depending on the day, like there's a couple days a week right now where I uh, do pizza completely solo, so that requires a little more timing. Um, and then other days I work with uh, with another fellow, and we work together in the pizza counter. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm still working probably like an 80 hour work week. Um, and I'm working, I'm actually in here right now, seven days a week because I come in on Sunday nights, even though we're closed also to do a starter refreshment and place orders for Monday morning. Now, is that, so working that many hours a so, week, you still at this point work a lot. So is that something that you like, it's just, you're just trained to do that. And just, that's just how you know how to do it. Or is that something you have to do? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, well, I definitely am working more hours than I ever did because we never, you know, at my other location, I was only open four or five days a week. Um, so I've always tried to, I, I knew that I could do everything as far as dough and run the pizza counter solo if I did it four nights a week. I mean, it was still completely consuming physically, but then there's enough time to recuperate you know, you have a day where you're kind of a zombie and then a day where you can have fun. And then another day where you kind of start to have to do paperwork and worry about placing orders. So you can have somewhat of a normal life if you're going to do everything yourself working four days a week. And I was still working like, you know, you know, 18 hours a day, those four days. So it's still very intense, but this is, this is a little bit more because we're open six days a week and it kind of has just happened that this is the way it went. Um, you know, also, you know, as many operators can probably totally relate to, you know, if you have a pizzeria and you need to pay your bills, you know, I'm somebody who is going to be much more inclined to do the work myself and be able to pay all my bills and pay, you know, any staff that I do have, than to just delegate and have an overloaded top heavy staff when we're not making the kind of money that we would like to. So, you know, that's one of the benefits of being able to do everything yourself and, you know, know how to make dough, know how to make pizza. Like, you know, I'm almost 50 and I can still come like last night. I made every pizza myself. I made like a hundred and I think 115 pizzas last night, you know, totally solo in the course of like four hours. So, you know, and that's after doing prep all day. So, you know, I'm, lucky enough that like, I've never stopped a lot of guys that I know that are cooks and stuff as they get older, they delegate so much work that they kind of lose the edge and then they become dependent on everyone. And they're kind of in a position where it's like, they can't, they would never be able to step in and be like, all right, I'm working Friday night pizza station, totally solo. I'm going to make 130 pizzas by myself nonstop. Like they just couldn't do it. So as long as I keep my strength and, you know, I don't lose it. I mean, it's a good way to be able to get through the slow times because you can run a really lean ship. You can have a very small payroll. And that's what we had to do here, at Una, you know, during the winter. Uh, and, it, and it made a huge difference. And it was able, we were able to get through and, you know, get to the point that we're at now, which, you know, now we're more successful. Which is another thing you mentioned, too. Like, your menu is pretty simple, right? It's not a huge menu. So you are able to do it all by yourself. I see a lot of people who come out with pizzerias and their menu is just gigantic and you need three people minimum just to make everything on their menu. Right, right. Well, we do have, I mean, I can't do it. All. I can definitely not do it all myself as far as the prep and running the place. Um, cause we have small plates. Um, and you know, 
I have fantastic people that work here. I mean, I have a wonderful uh, fellow that works with me who is does small plates a little bit and um, is a great pizza maker and just all, all the way around talented. So, you know, I mean, you definitely, you know, the more you add to the menu, the, you know, the more people you need. And it's funny because it might not even seem like there's that much you add, but it's like, man, as soon as you add a salad, you need somebody else because like, <laughs> you know, you just cannot, you cannot prep salad and make dough and make ice cream and prep mozzarella and make sauce and do this and do that. And, and you know, it just, it becomes impossible. So I think, you know, it's a very fine line on how much you want to have on the menu. And, you know, I, I just think sometimes people that are running places start to try to chase their tail and think that that's going to give them more business and think that that's going to get more, more people happy. And in the long run, you know, I think if you keep your place lean, you can really focus on those few things. You can run it with a really lean staff. Everyone that works for you can make more money because you can pay them better. Your servers can make more money because you can run a leaner uh, service, you know, so the tips are going to be higher per person and it's just beneficial all the way around, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%, especially now in 2019. You may be listening to this in the future, but in 2019, where the way the economy is so strong and uh, unemployment is so low and minimum wage is just on the increase, like you have to figure out a way to run a lean ship so you don't need as many people. Yeah, yeah. You cannot have a restaurant where you have like, you know, 10 people in the back, like prepping and cooking, you're just, you know, you just run the numbers. You're never going to make a living. And that's unfortunately, I think part of the symptom of why, you know, so many people open multiple locations because, you know, they, they build these monstrosities to deal with. And, you know, it looks like a raging success from the outside and to the public. But the reality is when you start figuring everything out and look at the numbers, you know, you're almost, the owner's probably barely taking anything out of the place. So then they're like, all right, we got to open another one and another one and another one. And then they're able to take a little bit out of each one. But, you know, I mean, to me, I, I'm just a believer in doing it a different way. It kind of sounds like Instagram. Yeah. All these, all you see all these accounts on Instagram, these people travel in the world and they think they're have successful businesses and you realize their mom's paying for everything. So just, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's always a backstory, you know, there's always a backstory. Like I think people should, you know, for other pizza makers and, you know, that's who's going to be hearing this and, you know, and that's who, you know, I care about because I'm a pizza maker myself. You know, I think that it's better to just really try to just hone in on what you want to offer people and really stick with it and, you know, try not to be too swayed by customers or the public or, you know, popular opinion for that week. And I think long-term, like you can build something really awesome and, and you can have a very strong foundation, you know? Yeah. Do you think it takes longer than people think it does? Like, I feel like people look at businesses or if they want to open a pizzeria and they, like you said, they see the successful ones or at least the ones that they perceive as being successful from the outside. And then they go to open their own. And it, I feel like it just takes a lot longer than you think it does. Is that true? I think so. Yeah, man. I, I would say that that's a hundred percent true. I mean, you know, I mean, I can only use my own life and my own pizzeria as an example, but I mean, like, look at this place, uh, the pizza that I'm at now on the Lower East Side of New York City. I mean, you know, I've been in business since 1996 with Una Pizza, and I've had so many ups and downs. And you know, when I moved back here to New York City, you know, I I thought, 
you know, probably egotistically, like, you know, uh, I'm coming back to my roots. Like, you know, um, like how can't this be a raging success? I'm going to crush. I don't even need to worry about it. And the reality is, is that, you know, this winter was pretty close to almost going out of business more than once. Like it was a very, very scary winter. I mean, like my priorities this winter were to be able to pay my rent here and pay my staff. And other than that, that was it. Like, I mean, I'll give you an example. We didn't have heat this whole winter in the pizzeria. That's how bad it got. So people might think from the outside, like, you know, wow, you guys are like super famous or whatever and all this stuff going on. But the reality is most people are real operators of independent businesses. When you get to know them or you see the backside, it's a struggle, man. And like, you got to stick with it. And if you really believe in what you're doing and you don't compromise and you don't cut corners and you put your energy into, you know, a few things that are focused, you can get through. And when it gets scary, you can run lean. And when it gets good, you're already set up to run in a way that it can be more profitable. And I think that's how you have long-term success. And you have to be prepared, unfortunately, for those dark days. I mean, you know, some places, maybe they're lucky and they never see those really slow times. But, you know, there's so many factors that play into that than, you know, regarding location and everything. So, like, you know, I just think, yeah, I think a lot of people think that like you're going to open up and you're just going to rock and roll and as soon as you have you know a couple months that are slow it's time to to throw in the towel and and i don't think that that's necessarily the case you got to really stick through wow what what do you think was the reason i know you kind of mentioned it in the beginning like what was the reason for it being so slow for you in the winter was it the expectations of the customers or what was it I think it was many things, man. I think we opened up here uh, without, again, like back to that idea. I think we just opened up with like, there was so much, um, there was so much hype around the place uh, opening, um, you know, me coming back and stuff. And I mean, I had done a pop-up in New York City maybe a year before that for one night and it was nuts. It like sold out like in like whatever, like very short period of time. It was just craziness. And people were super excited that I came back and made pizza and I had a fan base here. So, you know, I think we all assume that like, you know, it was going to open and it would just be like golden. And, you know, I mean, you know, the public is fickle, you know, media is, you know, much different than it was even 10 years ago. Like it's hard to stay relevant, you know, like you can be the toast of the town and two days later, somebody else, is the toast of the town. Like when I was younger, if you had an article like in the New York Times or something to that effect, I mean, you could pretty much be busy for a couple of years after that. Like you'd have to be completely retarded to ruin that. <laughs> right, you know what I right. mean? Like your your whole life would be changed for years if you had something like that happen. Nowadays, like you could be written up in the best publications as something fantastic. And like two months later, you're going to be slow again because there's just the, the, the news and the information that people are being fed is so instantaneous now that things are just popping in and out of people's minds. It's not like before where like, you know, it really was sustained. And like you, you know, when I had my place, like, let's say for example, in East village many, many years ago, like, in 2004, 2005, I mean, you know, I had a bunch of write-ups back then. It was like, I was busy and it was like, you know, you had a feeling of like, okay, I made it. Like I worked all these years. I did what I believed in. I never compromised. Now I'm getting recognition. I've made it. Now I'm like solid. We're going to always be busy and I can start to plan and be safe. And that's not the case anymore. Like, 
You know, it's so fast. It's so fast. So I think that played into the reopening of this place. Like we had a huge amount of press about the opening and very positive. And then we opened and, you know, a lot of people didn't get it and didn't like what we were doing and didn't like the way the place felt or whatever they were expecting. I think, you know, we opened up and maybe we were appealing to no exact clientele. I don't know who our fan base was because we had pizza people coming in and they would walk in and be like, eh, this doesn't really feel like Una pizza and I don't really get it. But then we had people who were maybe more inclined towards a little fine dining and they were coming in and kind of like, well, this isn't really fine dining either. And I don't really get it. And I think it left us kind of floating without a real fan base, you know, and combine that with just the speed of media and new places constantly opening and a couple of reviews that weren't the best. And, you know, bam, there you go. You're in the winter where you're like, oh, my God, you know, we got a problem. Right, right. So so how did you turn that around? Did you just go back to, like, your roots and, like, what you started to do originally? Yeah, so that's exactly. So, like, you know, when I opened this place, I, I kind of stepped aside a little bit um, with the direction of everything other than the pizza. And, and I started to see and feel in my heart that um, – you know, that wasn't working for me or for the place. So over the course of a few months, I kind of took took control of the place and changed it uh, and made it back to what I felt it should be with an evolution. Because, I mean, just as much as with the dough, with everything, I mean, the pizza for me is always an evolution. It's based in principles that I believe in, but there's an evolution as far as looking for a way to make things better constantly. Right. So that being said... You know, it's an evolution of Una Pizza Napolitana from originally New Jersey, the East Village, California, now the Lower East Side. Um, but it's rooted in me and the truth and like, and hopefully an authenticity. And, and it worked, man. I mean, organically, like we, we just, you know, my staff here and I, we just stuck it out and just believed in it. And we all knew what we were doing was great. I mean, everything we serve, we believe in. I mean, it was a very bare bones menu. I mean, we have like, you know, one super simple salad that's with incredible greens. Some of them grown right in Brooklyn on, on top of a roof in a greenhouse to the dough being naturally led into a really fun Italian wine list that, you know, is very accessible price wise to start with and can go up from there. Just trying to make things like, you know, challenging in a way that when you eat stuff, you're like, wow this is really amazing, but not challenging in the way that you walk in and you're like, who the hell do these guys think they are? <laughs> like, I don't, you know, my feeling on running, yeah, my feeling on running a business has always been the same, which is if you come in and you want to be kind and sweet, we're going to be kind and sweet and welcome to the family. If you come in and you have an attitude or you want to be a jerk, we're like, Hey, you know what? Just leave. <laughs> and that, that's always been the way that I ran the place and that's how we run it now. So and it seems to be working and, you know, and it's slowly organically started to build. And, you know, this winter towards the end of the winter, it started to be pretty good and, you know, it was still slow, but it was, it was definitely not, it was in the positive, let's say every month. So slow, but positive. And, and, um, and now it's just like has escalated up more and more and more. And then we just got recently uh, re-reviewed by the New York times food critic and that was huge and really special for, for the place and for everyone that works here. And a big, a big, like, kind of like icing on the cake for us after this winter. Wow, that's great. Because I, I have to imagine that 90% of the people that come into Una come in because they 
know you or have heard, not know you, but have heard of you or visited one of your places in the past, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a, it's funny, like we have people all night that come in and tell the servers like, oh, I used to go to Anthony's place here. Oh, I used to go there. I used to do this. And it's like, honestly, like half the customers, um, which is amazing. And I'm super flattered. I mean, I've been so lucky, man. Like considering how on mainstream I am and how I'm not, you know, I don't really do anything to change what I believe in. It's really kind of goes against the grain of a lot of like business models. Yeah, totally. And always has in this, you know, like, and, and it's like, I've never, ever believed in chasing your tail for anyone. And it's been some really tough times, but what I find, and I think other operators could find this too. And ones that do this, I'm sure will relate to what I'm saying is that when you really stand strong and do what you believe is right. And you're just like, look, this is what we do. This is what we make. This is the best of what I can give you. This is the best of me. And I'm not going to substitute that. You're definitely going to tick some people off. You're definitely going to not maybe be as busy as some big franchisee place. But what you will do over time is you're going to build a, a fan base of people that really connect and really believe in it. I mean, we have customers that, you know, have been customers since like New Jersey. I mean, I've had people who have flown out to SF from my original New Jersey location just to eat pizza like three days in a row and stay in a hotel <laughs> near the place. And I mean, what else could you ask for, man? Like, that's it, you know, like that's, that's it. So, and that's proof that, that it can work. I mean, you just really, you know, you've got to just find your niche find what you believe in and really stick with it. And, you know, I know that's very hard because there's so much noise, you know, there's so much that goes on in the pizza industry. There's so much at pizza expo. There's just always a new concept, a new oven, a new, this, a new, that, a new flower that like, you know, if you're out there floating, you're going to be like, man, I, I got to get in on this new concept or I got to get in on this, or I got to get in on that, or I'm not going to, but like, I think what you can do is use all those things as tools like you can also use the internet as a tool. It doesn't mean you need to get sucked into it, be on it 24 hours a day. Use things as a tool and take what you need from it and grow and then find your voice, you know? Yeah. Plus you'll be happier, right? Like you're probably happier. You will be. Like you, instead of trying to please totally. everybody and you'll, maybe they'll be happy, but you'll be miserable. You're going to just do what you and do what you like to do and do what you're good at and do it so good that they're going to come back for more. And then you're going to be happy. And then, yeah, like you said, you're not going to please every customer. There's going to be customers that come in and be like, Oh, you don't have a different size pizza or you don't have a side item of this or that. And if, but if you don't enjoy doing that, why do it? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, there's always going to be people who don't like it. Last night we had some real crap customers in and we were insanely busy. We had like 80 reservations it was insane in here last night and we still had some people like that just don't like it and don't get it. Like, and it's crazy. Cause like, you know, you'll have a table who a couple will be like super, not into it, super unhappy rolling their eyes. Like I can see that they're just not into it. And don't like the pizza and don't like this and don't like that. And then literally like four inches away at the table where there's a couple who are like, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. So you got to just, just like stand strong and do what you believe in. How do and people, then how do people you're going to not be shakeable. Yeah. How do people come into your Una like and not – like I don't understand how people can walk in there or go in there and eat and then think the pizza is bad or like not understand what the what they're getting into. Like how does that happen? 
It is. Yeah, it is weird that at this point, like that people don't get it. But I think what's happened is there's, you know, there was a period of time and I'm not saying that my pizza is like Neapolitan, Neapolitan, like that. I follow some rules or all this other stuff, but definitely my pizza is on the softer side. It's not like a slow baked kind of dry, drier dough. It's just not, it never has been. It's not also like super soupy either, but it's, you know, I think right now there's been a huge resurgence on like pizzas that are, which is awesome, but they're very different than what I do. And they're more of a pizza that's, I think, a little slower cooked with really great ingredients and maybe even similar in size to a Neapolitan pizza, but they're just not, they're drier, they're a little more darker. And I think that that could be a little bit of an issue with people's because a lot of people, I think at the end of the day, most Americans, I would say, if you were going to take a poll, like crispy, crunchy pizza, right? I they're just, that's right. just a fact. <laughs> Excuse me. It's a fact, man. And I mean, I like it too. Hey, you know, I mean, it's just not what I make, but I totally like it. But I just think that there's a certain element to pizza that uh, the majority of the public is going to want a pizza. That's like, you know, just going to be a little bit more crispy and a little more well-baked than what I'm going to offer. So that is usually where we'll have a problem with customers where we'll be like, eh, it's kind of doughier. Eh, it's a little too softer. Eh, can't you make it more crispy? And it's like, you know, that's not what we make. So, right. you know, there's plenty of places that do that. So speaking that's, of, speaking I of, I think we're usually where that, that's a problem. Yeah. Cause I guess, I don't know. I, I, I still, I could understand like how that could be a problem, but I feel like in this age, 2019, like we, like you said, with the internet and the, all these apps that people can go on, I feel like they should know what they're going for, right? Like, don't you think they should know what they're going for? Like you go to Una for this type of pizza. You don't go there for. You would think so, pizza. man, but I'll tell you when you're out on, yeah, I think you're right. But when you're out on the front lines and you're actually on the retail side of things and you're really dealing with customers and I mean imagine the volume of people that we deal with I mean you're talking about like you know a couple of hundred people a night six days a week I mean you're getting some kooks through the door there's just no <laughs> way around it sure. I mean it, it, it is what it is you're just gonna get some kooks where you're like damn Mike you are so disconnected I'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> I want to be you for you so, you're you know so I mean? out there I want to be you for a little bit yeah, exactly. In some sense, I almost appreciate it because it's like, man, you really don't know what's going on in the world. I think that's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's stressful for us, but it's awesome at the same time. You know, you're right because you'd always get. I remember being operating myself, and I would, and you know, you'd get these phone calls, and you you hang up the phone, and you'd be like, I cannot believe that person is that dumb. Like, I didn't know that there was that. I didn't know there was oh, that yeah. level of no, dumb in the shocking. world. It's shocking, man. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like we've, I watch it all night. Like people bring pizzas to the table and like their table will have stuff all over it. And customers will like look up at you with this look like kind of like, uh, and it's like, uh, like move your phone off the table. I have a pizza in my hand. You know what I mean? It's just like sometimes I walk away sometimes. I'm like, sometimes I, I think I'm like, have these people ever been out in public before? Or is this their first <laughs> night out in a restaurant? No, you're right. And even me, like I, I mean, and maybe it's because I was in the service industry my whole life, so I kind of know what it's like. But I would never, ever, in my wildest dreams, leave a bad review of anything on any platform on the internet, like Yelp, on the website. Man. Like, 
stuff. Never. Even if the cut, you could bring me over the wrong dish, and I'll eat it. And you know what? If the service is bad, I may just never go back. But I will never complain about anything. Same. Exactly, Bruce. Exactly, exactly the same as me. I have never complained like publicly or to any staff member of a restaurant, no matter how terrible or whatever's happened. I've never even not left the tip. I've always left the tip. Yeah. Even when I've been like angry, I still <laughs> couldn't true. bring myself to not leave a tip. I just won't go back. I tell my friends that place sucks. Right. I'm exactly like, the same. People that actually have the wherewithal. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine the character of a person that like takes it upon themselves that they think it's their duty to go on the internet and bash a place because like the dough is too soft. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Like we're in here killing ourselves, trying to do the best we can. And everyone that works in this place gives it their all. I can tell you whether or not you come through the door and you like us or like what we do or like the music that's on or anything else. I can tell you for sure, without a doubt from me to everybody else in this place cares a hundred percent on what they're doing and gives her all a hundred percent. And so I don't understand the mentality that somebody could come in and like eat something and be like, this is this, whatever, this salad isn't seasoned properly. Oh, I need to tell the world about my opinion on this. It's like, you know, like, give me a break. Like I, I find those people to be such losers, man. <laughs> I love it. I, I feel exactly the same <laughs> way. I'm glad somebody else does too. Uh, I've never really said that out loud yeah. before, but now I have. So a lot of thousands of people are going to hear me. Well, say that, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not running for politics. I say whatever I want. <laughs> That's true. I'm the same way, actually. I'm not ever running for president. So we're good on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let me ask I you a question. I can't even run my household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. I would be lost without my wife. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, you're speaking at this year's Pizza and Pasta Expo, aren't you? Yeah, in Atlantic City. Are you excited about that, or are you nervous about that? No, no, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna tr- uh, for this. I'm gonna tr- actually try to write stuff down. Though usually, I never, I, I never have a plan with anything. Even when I have meetings or anything, I always kind of wait for the the whatever to come to me in that moment and see where it leads. But I think for this, because it's going to be a little more extended, I want to have a map at least to make some points and stuff do you have like an idea of what the topic's going to be um yeah kind of yeah i think it's going to basically be kind of like um just the pizza industry over these 25 years you know where it's at now and my experiences and like you know the changes in it and everything i mean i feel you know one of the things that i find really interesting in my, my experience is that i you know i and I'm sure there's other pizza guys out there like this, but maybe not as much now just because of the internet and the media and the pizza expo and all this stuff. But like, you know, for me, like I was always alone, um, in my, my journey of pizza making to a degree, you know, it's like I had my restaurant in New Jersey and then the other, you know, other locations throughout the years. And I, I never went to the pizza expo. I never really talked or hung out with other pizza makers. You know, I also grew up, in an era where, you know, you were more secretive about the way you did stuff. Like when I was coming up, you know, the places like Totono's or Lombardi's or John's on Bleecker or, you know, Grimaldi's like these places were the, the benchmark when I was a kid in America. And they weren't telling you how to make dough. 
they weren't telling you anything. Like these are places that used to peel the labels off the cans of tomatoes before they threw them in the garbage. <laughs> so no one would be able to find out what kind of tomato. I'm not kidding you. Like it was serious. Like, like it was serious. Like nobody was telling you anything. Like you, you, it was like very similar to like other uh, parts of the culture, like the tattoo world back then too, or very secretive, you know, and now everything is so open and so accessible. So, you know, I was always alone in my journey and, discovering in the last few years, the pizza expo and these other pizza makers that I I've met a bunch that I really like that are awesome. You know, it's a pretty, pretty cool group of people. And that's been a real eye opener to me because that's one of the benefits that I have found out of like the modern world, which a lot of things I don't like the way things are now. That's one thing that I do like is how there's this big pizza owner community and, I'm not saying everybody at the expo is great. A lot of them probably aren't that great. I don't like them, but there's also a lot of great people there and a lot of people that are really passionate, really care and are really searching to make a great product and really putting it out there. And I think that's going to be partially what, what my talk is about. Like just this united idea of these people throughout the country doing their own thing, you know, and like trying to stay on the path to find not only financial happiness, but emotional happiness. Yeah, I like that. I think you're 100% right. Now, let me ask you this on the flip side of that. Do you think that like when you like you said, when you were kind of coming up through the business, you were doing you created your own path, right? Like you did your own thing, you became known as the person who does this. Do you think that with the expos and the internet, there is a lack of creativity and people just kind of see what anybody else is doing and they copy it themselves? Um, I mean, I think I wouldn't say there's a lack of, of creativity, but I would say that it's very hard probably to find your own voice because if everything is already exposed and everything is known, I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's hard to find like a voice when you have all the information right in your hands. Right. It's almost easier to find a voice when you're ignorant. <laughs> in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you don't know stuff, you're like, well, I guess this is how you would do it. And then you come up with some half witted version of what you think is the way things were done. And maybe it's not that great, but you keep pursuing it because you have nobody being like, well, that's not how you do it. Look right here. It's on the internet or in this book or at this expo. And so in a sense, I think there was some innocence that's not there anymore with so much information. If that's a way to put it, it's a little harder to find like your voice by making mistakes because you don't really need to make mistakes now. Like, you know, you, you could take, you could take anybody off the street and get them up to speed on everything that we all know in this industry pretty quickly. Cause it's all right there. I mean, you know, there's, there's incredible pizza makers now. I mean, there's people that are, you know, banging stuff out that looks amazing pretty quick into their career yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, that's just the nature of the world right now. I think not only in pizza, but everything. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just thought it was like, maybe that's something. I don't think that, it's a bad thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it just creates the only bad thing maybe is again, the trying to find your voice and stay relevant because I think it's hard as an individual too, to stay on track. If you're exposed to so much, you know, it's like, even for me, man, it's like, you know, if, if I start perusing the internet and, and all this stuff and I'm at the pizza expo and I see all these different ways of doing stuff, you start to be like, well, maybe I should try to make it this way instead of my way or this or that. It's hard to stay. It's hard to stay on track and keep that, 
very small change of evolution that is part of real growth. You know, when you're doing something with repetition day after day for like 25 years, the changes sometimes don't seem very evident to you, but they can be extremely evident over the course of time. And they're real changes that are profound. And if you don't allow that to happen organically and naturally because of your doing repetition and instead you're just chasing stuff and you're like onto the next concept every like month, I don't know really, I don't know if as an individual you're going to find that kind of spiritual and satisfaction that you can find by having those smaller, slow changes that take place over the course of years of growth slowly and naturally. That I think is where this overexposure of information and this constant chasing can kind of get in your way. So I think you can use those things as tools, but again, you have to be able to have a filter and as a person be like, you know what? Like, yeah, that's cool. Let this person do that. I'm going to do this. And that's where you need that. Also, I guess comes with maturity, but that I think is critical as an operator. If you want to find your own voice and in the long run, speak to customers because as much as people and customers can suck or be stupid, there's also ones that are amazing (laughs) and great and the great ones and the the beautiful ones and the ones that are actually going to be there to support your business over the long term of 20 years, 25 years, whatever the next generation, those are the people that you're going to connect with when you do things based on truth and authenticity. And you're really putting yourself out there. You know, you're really, going to find a fan base that believes in you if you follow this course and stay the course that's my feeling anyway yeah and don't let the people who do give negative feedback affect what unless everybody's giving you negative feedback but if there's like one or two people who are giving you negative feedback don't let that affect you because in the beginning when i started this podcast i had all positive reviews but it was like my mom and my sister there was only two people listening you know but as you grow you're going to have people who give you some negative feedback don't let that sway what you're doing unless every single person is saying the same thing over and over and over again, then maybe a time to reevaluate. That's true. I think you're probably right about that. I mean, unfortunately, I think the negative feedback sometimes is the one that you really hear though. And so it's hard sometimes as a person and a business owner, you know, to not get hurt by that. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that those are some of the beautiful parts of the pizza expo too. It's like just having that feeling of like, all these other guys that are in the same boat as yeah. you on the day to day dealing with like customers and life and, you know, trying to run a business and all these things that, you know, I think a lot of people don't really take into account. I mean, you know, it's, it's not so glamorous when you're dragging garbage out at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> after working for 18 hours straight. Right. I mean, maybe if you're like a famous chef and you, you know, you have 10 locations, you're not doing that. But for me and a lot of us, like, that's what we're doing, man. Like, you know, come down here today at, 1 a.m. and you're going to see, see, see it. It ain't going to be so glamorous. Oh, that's so true. So where I know I had you on the phone for a while now. Where can people go check you out? Uh, are you open in the summertime for walk-ins in Una so people can come check you out if they're in the city? Yeah, 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 yeah. Try You can make reservations at Resi. That's the system that we use. Um, and you can link that off of my website, which is unapizza.com. Um or from the Instagram, you can connect to the website, uh, pizza, Napolitana is the Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah, we do walk-ins. We're open six days a week from five thirty until we sell out of fresh dough. Uh, usually we tr- that happens 
you know, before 10 right now. So I would say if you're going to do a walk-in, try to come in on the early side or try to see if you can get a resi. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I'm also on the verge of opening my second location, which I'm really excited about. Oh, I heard about that. Where is that? Where is that going to be? the end of the summer or, yeah, that's going to be in New Jersey. Uh, and so I'm super excited about that. Uh, that's, that's a dream come true and a plan that I've wanted to do for 20 years. So is that back to like where really you originally awesome. started? Uh, a little distance from where the first location was, but it's close to where I lived most of my adult life and, um, where I wanted to open even before I moved to California. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. So we'll link up all that in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, so the, the New York City one uh, is going to be, you know, as it is, and then the New Jersey one uh, is going to be very similar, but maybe we can talk about that as it gets closer. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll have to come out to that one and actually come out and visit you at your location for once. I would love for you to come to that one. I'm going well, to invite you to the friends and family for that, so I hope you can make it. Definitely. All right, Anthony, thank you so much, man. Don't hang up, but if you're listening to this at home, we're going to hang up with you. We'll link over everything over Anthony mentioned over at smartpizzamarketing.com, and we'll see you on the next one. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Super thankful to Anthony for joining me again on the podcast. We are going to one of these days get him on video, and he's going to come on and share us. Maybe I'm going to have to travel down to his new place in New Jersey when it opens and bring the video camera, and we'll do an interview where you can see the kitchen and we can chat on video because I think that's going to be valuable to you as well. So if you enjoyed this episode, thank you so much. Go follow Una Pizza Napolitana on Instagram or Anthony Mangieri on Instagram and tell him you heard him on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Uh, because this was a great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I always love talking to Anthony. Sometimes I'll see Anthony at the Pizza Expo or the Pizza and Pasta Show, which he's speaking at this year, which we mentioned briefly inside of this podcast. And him and I will sit there for 25 or 30 minutes just talking about business and pizza and history and all that good stuff. So he's super passionate about that uh, and very much willing to talk to you if you're listening to this and you see him at the show. Uh, but thank, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast here, if you need some help with your marketing, but that's what we do. We do marketing for restaurants and pizzerias and local businesses, digital online marketing to help you grow your brand and help you grow your digital presence, which turns into sales in the long run. Listen, the internet is not going away. I've seen so many businesses over the last two years that don't have mobile optimized websites. Like what in the heck are you doing? Are you doing when it comes to 2019 and you don't have a mobile optimized website? Like, let's get with the program here. The internet is not a fad. It is not going away. And as annoying as you think it is with these millennials being on their phone, those are the people who are going to be buying products in the future. So let's get with it. We can help you do that, though. Uh, we do all of that for you. Smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. We only work with one pizzeria per zip code, though. So your zip code may not be available, but it might be. Go check it out. We can set up a call with you. Myself or somebody else will give you a call and we'll chat about your business and see if we're a good fit. And then uh, we can do some stuff after that to help you grow your business. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Bruce Irving. And if you don't hire us to do your marketing and you don't join the mastermind group, if you could do me one favor, listen, we do these podcasts for free every single week. If we've brought you any value, if you've ever listened to a podcast and said, wow, that was great information, I am going to go do that in my business. And I know you're out there because I've gotten emails hundreds of direct messages, hundreds of emails from from people saying, hey, Bruce, I heard this episode of the podcast and I did this in my business and look what it did. Or I started doing Facebook video because I heard you talk about Facebook video and look at me now. Now I'm my, my Facebook page is growing. I'm getting noticed in my 
my community, my brand is growing, my business is growing as a result of that. So thank you so much. If you are one of those person, people, go leave a review on iTunes. That's it. It's the only ask I ask of you. You don't have to hire us. You don't have to join our mastermind group. But just go leave a review on iTunes and let me know how you thought, that, what other people, let other people know what you think of the show and why they should listen to. All right. Thank you guys so much for that. And we'll see you on the next one.